Last week, we started something called Lent. Everybody say Lent. Lent, not the stuff in your belly button or the stuff in the dryer, okay, but Lent. And when you, and many, for many of us, depending on your upbringing, if you were raised nothing spiritual, meaning you didn't go to church or anything like that, Christianity Lent to you, there's just kind of a lean-in moment of, oh, I want to learn about Lent. But for some of us, and I would include myself in this, where I was raised, you know, maybe uh, uh not understanding and had a view of Lent that it was just a liturgical thing that you just went through that really didn't um, have any meaning or application to your life. I want to encourage you. I was in your same boat. And if you were not here last week, I would encourage you equally to download the Victory Life app, click on the St. Joe campus and catch up. You When you leave today, you can watch last week or you can on the church YouTube channel, you can, you can watch it. And so that you, because I'm going to kind of springboard a little bit off of what we talked about last week. You know, when we first moved here, me and my wife from San Diego, 22 years ago, we brought with us a dog by the name of Sandy. Sandy, everybody is all big today into the doodles. How many of you are with me on that? There's every kind of doodle you can imagine. Just so you know, my take on the doodles is they're all mutts. Are you with me? Is, um, but we, you say, well, I have a Labradoodle. Well, we had a Labradane. A, 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 we, we had a Labradane. Sandy was a 120-pound lap dog. Okay, she believed she was a little miniature. So she would climb up in your lap and, and just, you know, super affectionate. But when we moved here from California, she had never seen snow before. And so she was, you know, she was inside and we opened the door and it had snowed about this much. And she goes bulleting out of the house, touches the white stuff and goes, Arr! And looks back like, what in the flip is this? How many of you know what I'm saying? And then proceeded to start backing up. Some of you today, maybe in regard to Lent, you're like, what is this? What is this? I want to encourage you in regard to Lent is what we found out last week is when Pastor James challenged me in regard to this, I will honestly say it was my trust in him that caused me to dig deeper and say, what is Lent all about? Because I was raised in a religious group that practiced Lent, but it meant nothing to me. And so I just had kind of thrown it all out. But when he said it to me, because I hugely respect him and trust him is I jumped into it. What we found out last week was that Lent was celebrated the first 1,500 years by the New Testament church or by Christianity. Lent was, was celebrated. It was started by a guy by the name of Polycarp. Polycarp was a disciple of the apostle John, if you look up history. 
And, and what we found out is that what Lent is, is it is the 40 days prior to Easter, and its inspiration came from Matthew 4 and Luke 4, where the Bible describes, and it says that after Jesus, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove, it says immediately that he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, and he fasted, and it says that he overcame Satan in the wilderness, and then what you see is his earthly ministry started immediately following that experience, or he stepped into what we would call God's next season and all that God had planned for him. Now, I can stand up here and say this with, I think, a high level of confidence that all of us want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Are we agree? Are we in agreement? All of us say, Lord, I want to be led by your spirit. All of us want to overcome Satan in our wilderness. We all have wildernesses and we want to overcome Satan. All of us want to step into God's best for our life in the next season. Would you agree with me on that? But there's just one thing I, I forgot and it was the word fast. Everybody say fast. Fast. Fast is something that is not part of the way that we think. And we found out that last week, in Je when Jesus started his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, actually, if you read from Matthew 5 all the way through Matthew 7, what you find out is Jesus started his Sermon on the Mount and he did a non stop teaching covering 19 different topics. And when he taught on giving, and, and this is in the context, he said, when you give, he said, and then he gave guidelines in regard to giving. And this is in Matthew 6. He said, when you pray. And then he said, and he gave the Lord, many of us know the, the model of the Lord's prayer. He gave the model of the Lord's prayer. But then he said this, when you fast, and he taught on fasting. I think it's interesting. He didn't say to them, if you fast, but he said, when you fast, putting it in the same context as prayer, as giving, as everything else. Now, all of us would readily agree we need to pray. Four of us, that's super cool. I said all of us would agree we need to pray. All of us, some of us need to pray more than others, Brad. Um, you know, <laughs> Brad is a really good friend. Um, is all of us need to pray. All of us needs to have a revelation of the purpose of giving. Giving, when you talk about tithing, is what tithing is. It is me stopping in my life and saying, God, you've given me everything that I have. You've given me the very air that I breathe. Lord, you've given me everything that's valuable. Lord, you've given me a, a healthy body. God, you've given me a house. Lord, you've given me everything that I have. Everything has come from you. And out of a response to God, you're incredibly generous in giving. There's a spirit that comes off of me that says, Lord, I want to tithe and partner with you in your kingdom in the earth so that your word can spread so everybody can experience this. Are you with me? It's in, but then he said this, he said, when you fast, do you know that in the early church, when you look at historically the first 1500 years, the church fasted two days a week. 
We found that out last week. They fasted two days a week. Now, I'm just going to be super honest. How many of you know we Americans don't like fasting? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, let's just be honest. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and we, but when you, well, last week we talked about fasting in the Bible, and we found out that Old Testament and New Testament fasting were very different. There's different types of fasting that God will lead us in. Sometimes it could be a fasting that is like just unplugging from something. Maybe unplugging from media, unplugging from social media. It could be unplugging. There's other types of fastings that you see that God will lead us to fast something very specific in our diet. And he'll lead us in a direction that I want you like the Daniel fast, where it's fruits, um, nuts, and vegetables. I'm a meat person. How many meat people? do we have out there? So that's a big challenge for me right there. But I'm like, Lord, if, if that's what there's other times, God will maybe lead you to fast sugar or something like that, or God will lead you. And then there are times that God will lead you to just go into a liquid only diet. And what we found out last week is there's different lengths of fast. You have the Yom Kippur fast, which was 24 hours, or it, it was basically just a short, a, a short period. God could lead you in a day fast. God can leave you, lead you in maybe like you'll see in, in Paul's life. One time it was three days. Another time it was 14 days. God will vary specifically. Sometimes it's a week. Sometimes it's weeks. Other times it's 40 days. But Jesus told us, and I love it, it what fasting does in our life in Matthew 6. And I want to read, um, I, or pardon me, in Matthew 9, and I want to read um, something in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, of the disciples when um, John's disciples came and they questioned Jesus about fasting. It said, then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? That's Matthew 9, verse 14. 14, I think they have it up on the screen. Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom groom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, then they will fast. That would be us right now. The season we're in, Jesus has been taken. But then look at what he said. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Now look at verse 17. Neither do men and women, people, pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Notice what he talked about right here, and he compared what God had for our life, and the key word is he said it's like new wineskin. It's a new wineskin, and the topic he's talking about is fasting. You know, in the Bible, wineskins were something that were very, very common. There were people that that was a profession. It was an art, and that's all they did. It was a wineskin was typically made out of either sheep or goat. It was one skin. It was not multiple skins. And what they would do is they would stitch it. Many of you have seen like those bodas, you know, those kind of, um, those bodas and they, they got a thing on top. Well, they would just wrap it over and, and, um, and, and tie it up. 
but they would fill the wineskin with the juice of whatever type of wine they were making, and then it would sit in there and it would form it. They would tan the wineskins typically with vegetable oil, and then they would use some type of a bark to smear it in, and they would, and once the wineskin was ready, they would turn it back, um, it, they would sew it in or outside in, then they would turn it um, in, they would basically put the outside in, they would fill it up, and, in, and as it fermented, what it would do is it would expand and it would stretch the skin that it was in. But it was only good for one time. You could only use the wineskin for one time because it couldn't handle two stretchings. It couldn't handle it. The wineskin, which at one point was soft and pliable after it had fermented and produced wine, now it was hard and it was brittle. Wine in the Bible is used as a type of the Holy Spirit within our life. And what fasting does, it goes hand in hand with what he's talking about here because what fasting does is one of the things it does is it gives us a new wineskin to handle the fresh thing that God has for our life because we have a tendency to get crusty and stiff and stuck in the old thing and God says I've got something new you're asking me for something new you're seeking me for something new but I'm you're going to have to yield to my Holy Spirit and allow me to soften you up where it doesn't have to fit into your way of thinking and you're willing to embrace me in a new thing and when you embrace me in a new thing then you step into my better thing for the next season of your life are you with me and so what you what you see is we is God said that what fasting does is it softens the wineskin it causes me to okay God I can handle it in my life but you know, in, in last week, we talked about following God in your personal fasting zone. What's your zone? I don't know what your zone. That's between you and the Lord. But we're believing that everybody here in some capacity, whether it's a day, whether it's a week, whether it's 40 days, Lent started this past Wednesday. You know, the little cross on the ash cross on the head. I used to look at that and say, what does that even mean? Do you know what it means? The ash is a sign that I recognize, God, that I'm mortal and I need you in my life. That's what that, that's what that was symbolic of. And you know, when we, in what fasting is in the New Testament is is where we experience minimum physical discomfort and maximum spiritual impact within our life. God's not after your discomfort. He's after your expanding and experiencing him in your life. See, fasting increases my sensitivity. It increases my capacity to flow with God. And our goal is that everyone that hears this message, whether you're online and you say, hey, I'm doing church online right now. You know, we'd love you here, but we're just glad you're with us. Or maybe you're here as you're following the Lord in this season. And what I want to teach on today is what I'm going to call the heart of the fast. Everybody say the heart of the fast. In Matthew 6, verse 16 through verse 18, Jesus said this, and when you fast, don't make it obvious, there's the win again, as the hypocrites do, 
For they try to look miserable, disheveled, so people can admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that it is that the only reward, that's the only reward they will ever get. Verse 17. But when you fast, there it is again, comb your hair, wash your face. Can I throw one in there and brush your teeth? How many of you, <laughs> how many of you know, I'm best and I don't need to brush your teeth. Bless us all. Brush those babies. How many of you are with me on that? <laughs> but you, you, <laughs> I need to just watch it. <laughs> and when you, when you think about it, look at what it said in verse 18 then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father, your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. What I want you to notice is Jesus is talking about my why or my motive or my inside agreement. Why do I, why am I fasting? Why is it? It's super, super important that we stop and we say, Lord, I'm going to fast. But my motive isn't to be seen. My motive isn't to get a brownie point with somebody else. But my motive is, God, you're moving on my heart and my spirit. And I say yes to you. And I step towards you in this direction. I want to look at an Old Testament scripture about fasting when God is speaking to his people. And and what we'll see is, I believe that this is a pattern in humanity's life. But it was really a pattern in in the context that we're going to read it in Isaiah 58. But there was this pattern in this text that what would happen is, is the people of God would only run to him when they had need within their life. And most of the time they had created the need that they had. And so it was more like a transactional thing with God. It wasn't a relationship. It was a transactional thing where they would say, okay, okay, God, I have this need. I'm going to fast and you're going to do this. How many of you are with me on that? Lord, I'm going to do my part of the deal. You need to you do your part of the deal. And, and, but their heart wasn't into it. They were simply looking at it from a transactional. You know, that's like the guy that says, I want to get married because I want somebody to do my laundry, cook my food and have sex with on a regular basis. How many of you ladies can say yuck? How many of you know what I'm saying? You would just be like, excuse me, but that's not why I'm here. The motive is wrong. The motive needs to be, no, I'm all in. This is a covenant relationship. And that's what was happening right here in their life. And so they're, and they're getting irritated with God because he's not doing what they said. They said, we fasted God. You're not doing what you should be doing. And let's pick it up in verse three. It, and this, he said, we, they said, we have fasted before you. They say, why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why I respond. This is God. How many of you know God's pretty smart? <laughs> How many? I'm just going to be super honest with you. Can I just have an honest moment? I try to coach God sometimes. Lord, I think you should do it like this. Lord, if I were you, I would do it like this. <laughs> just don't work. <laughs> Look at what he said. I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, now look at this statement, you keep oppressing your workers. 
What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourself by going through the motions of penance, bowing your head like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? Verse six, no, this kind of fasting, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind them. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from your, from relatives who need your help. What I want you to notice is this, is God immediately zeroes in on their motive. He said, look, your motive is not the same as my motive. Your motive for fasting is you want me to do. And what we've got to realize is my reason for fasting, I think, in my life needs to match God's motive. It's a heart thing on the inside. See, it's twofold. Is yes, I'm fasting, God, because I want to step in to your better and your new thing for my life. But equally, God, is I'm fasting for my family for my community, for the world around me. Because if there's ever been a time that the world needs Jesus, it's now. And so God, I'm fasting, yes, for something in my life, but I'm equally fasting, God, because I, we're needing you. We're coming into Easter. Let me tell you, we need God to pour his spirit out on our community. Yeah. We do. We need God to pour his spirit out. And you know, you think about it, is my motive speaks to my why. Why do I do what I do? Motive is really important to God because it speaks to my inside heart, my beliefs in what motivates me. Is my motive in, in some way connected to eternal things or is my motive only connected to natural things? Is it only connected to my comfort? Is it only connected to God I want? Or is my motive connected to God? Yes, I need, and yes, I want, but Lord, my heart is in pace with you in this area. See, when motivation or motives or motives are right, the longer it goes, the better it gets. But when motive or motivation is wrong, the longer it goes, the worse it gets until my motive is adjusted in something. When God led the prophet Samuel to anoint the next king, the Bible says he went to the house of Jesse, which was David's uh, son. And he goes there and he runs all of his, and he runs all of his sons by the prophet Samuel. And God said, not one of them is it. And then he said, well, do you have another son? And they say, yeah, we got this kind of runty, we didn't even call him in from the sheep. We didn't even bring him in because we didn't think he was worth coming in here. And the prophet said, we're not going to sit down until you bring him in to eat. Brings him in. And God said this, man looks at the outside, but I look at the heart. See, God's into heart. He's into heart. That's what God is into. God is hugely interested in my why. My why reveals my agreement in my life. It reveals what I'm agreed with. See, disciplines are important 
But for maximum impact, they've got to come from the right heart. They've got to come from the right motive. They've got to come from the core of who I am. And see that, you know, when you, we stop and I'm just going to just be honest for a moment. That's what happened with Lent. That nearly 500 years ago, Lent had just drifted into a liturgical thing that religious people do, did, that had no meaning, had no impact, and was not reflective. It was just put the ash on your head, fast something for the day, and there was nothing. And so as the Protestant churches, as we know them today, began to come along, they looked at it and they said, that's not connected to anything spiritual. And they threw the baby out with the bathwater rather than saying, wait a minute, why is this here? God, why did you birth this to begin with? And let's get our heart right rather than stop and say, that's just over there. Mankind is the only one. You and I must grow. You and I must embrace. And what God does is he comes into our life and he says, you know, I got something better for you. I've got something great for you, but I got to have your heart in agreement with me. Look, and I want to read the rest of the verses of Isaiah 58 when the motive is right and it's coupled with the fast. Look at what verse eight said, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will heal quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then you will call the Lord and he will answer, yes, I'm here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Motive, same as God, notice that then your light will shine out of darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. But notice what God first started with is my motive. You know, as we're calling everybody to come together in Lent, 40 days up to, we're saying, just say, God, I just, man, Lord, I, I believe in what you're doing. God, I believe that, Lord, your spirit is leading me, that, Lord, I've got wilderness experiences, but I'm going to overcome them, and I'm going to step into your better. But he says, your sensitivity to me is going to be, are you willing to do maybe something uncomfortable? Are you willing to say, okay? My wife said to me, she said, what are you fasting? So she said to me, she's a veteran. My wife's a veteran. Sometimes she just like, I'm like, where's dinner? She said, oh, there's something in there. <laughs> but, but she's, and she's got something in there. But she just like, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I feel like it's monthly. She, she's just like, I'm just not, I, I, I'm not going to eat today. And I'm like, well, baby, I'm feeling famished. How many of you know what I'm saying? I need a burger or something, you know. But the key is where we stop and we say, Lord, what are you speaking to me in my life in regard to this fast? Before you, I believe you have better. I believe 
I'm led by your spirit. And I believe that this next season is going to be better than any season that I've ever had in my life. Where we just stop and say, God, I, I just love you. And Lord, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to point my satellite dish toward you. I need to hear from you. I need to receive from you. I want you, God. I want your ways. I believe that you have more than what I'm experiencing, and I want to increase my capacity for it. Lord, I believe that it's not just for me personally, but maybe my family, my community, and the world that I live in. Lord, we need you. God, we need you. And I wonder today, in all of our lives, this is what I found. I've walked with the Lord now for over 40 years, and the more he does in my life, the hungrier I get for him. It's almost like, it's just, it is insane. It is the hungrier I get. I believe all of us are hungry for God. Can you all say that? Yes. Stand to your feet if you would. I want you to stand up. Lord, as we come before you today, what we believe is that, Lord, in this season of Lent, you're drawing us back to being led by the Spirit. You're drawing us back to, Lord, maybe in our wilderness area, experiencing your freedom in your breakthrough. Lord, you're drawing us back to you have better, not just for us, but Lord, for our community, for our family, for those around us. But then equally, Lord, is that word fast. We invite your Holy Spirit to speak to us. Lord, what would you have us to do? Lord, what is the specific thing or area? Lord, how long would it be? Because Lord, we say yes to you today. Jesus' name. I want everyone to look at me for a moment. I believe that you came to church today because you want God. I want God. But what I equally realize as I stand up here is we're all in different places. Everybody's in a different place. There are some of us, like Chuck back here, he personally knew Jesus. <laughs> or there's some of us that you want God, but you don't know what it means. You're like, I, I want a relationship with God, but does that mean I got to quit this and I got to stop that? And I gotta, nope, doesn't mean any of that. When you want a relationship with Jesus, you just come just like you are and you say, Lord, I can't fix myself. If you could fix yourself, you don't need Jesus. He's not saying jump this high. He's saying come just how you are. You're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ. Or maybe you're here and you say, I have, but I can honestly say I am not where I should be. I know it. Right now, I believe that the Holy Spirit is drawing you to him. The Bible says you can't even come to him unless you, he draws you. If you feel a nudge right now on the inside, like God has got your address and he's driving up your driveway and he just hit your remote control door, that is because he's drawing you. 
He's drawing. He loves you. He cares about you. He's not counting how many times you've fallen. He's counting how many times you will get back up. That's who we serve. But you're here today and you say, I'm not where I need to be. And today I just want to go all in with Jesus. And I know it. I want to pray with you right where you're at. This isn't for somebody next to you. Right now is your God moment. It's for just between you and him. I want us all to just close our eyes and you say, that's me. That's me. I need Jesus today. The Holy Spirit is drawing you. We are all going to pray together. But if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. By lifting your hand, you're saying, I am coming out of the casual, comfortable, and I'm stepping into, Lord, I'm all in with you. One, two, this is your moment. Three, lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you, God. Yes, thank you. See those hands in the balcony. Thank you, God. Thank you. Yes. Yes, I want to lead us all in this prayer. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe that you're God's son, that you gave your life because you love me. You care about me, and I need you. I'm asking you, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Lord, I go all in. I give you my past. I invite you into my present and I'm going to follow you with my future. I say yes to you today in Jesus name. Thank you, God. Amen. Give God a shout. 